Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown, Georgia Southern. Fast swing on the way. It's gone! It is well with my stolen Montgomery! Georgia Southern wins! All right, we're joined now by WSAV's Connor Delpreet. Connor uh, was at the game, the Cure Bowl in Orlando, um, and we want to get his kind of take on how it felt in Orlando uh, before the game, during the game, um, and then immediately after the game. Connor, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I know uh, I like listening to the podcast. My roommate's actually a huge fan of the podcast, so he was pumped when he found out I was coming on. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, anytime I can get you some uh, some roommate bonus points, <laughs> that I'm down for that cause. Um, Connor, in your opinion, what happened on Saturday with Georgia Southern? I know a lot of us on the beat, uh, and this is probably the case, uh, for most of the games going into it, we all kind of had a different feeling about how this one might shake out and about how Georgia Southern matched up with Liberty. Um, I guess, you know, tell the fans how you thought it was going to go entering the game and then how you thought it went during the game. Obviously, it didn't turn out well for Georgia Southern, but I guess just, you know, how did the game end up meeting um, or not meeting your expectations? Yeah, so this completely took a, a right turn from what I expected it to be. I mean, you look at it on paper and you see Liberty's run defense has been less than spectacular all year. Georgia Southern, of course, running the offense it runs, you think Shy Works, Wesley Kennedy, they have a field day. And Wesley Kennedy did to an extent. Um, but coming into this game, I expected Georgia Southern to jump out a little bit early. Um, and, and the key to the game being how does Liberty adjust to this offense? And can Bob DeBest, the offensive coordinator for Georgia Southern, make each drive look a little bit different with the way they're scheming runs so that Liberty has no chance to sort of regroup and make those adjustments? And that was before the press conference on I think it was Thursday and you know with with press conferences before big games before bowl games it's tough to get a lot of a lot of juice and a lot of really interesting details out because they're trying to keep everything kind of close to the chest but what really stood out to me was Liberty's head coach Hugh Freeze when I asked him about what the most challenging part was preparing for Georgia Southern he opened up and said you know with, with early signing period all this other stuff uh, we only have eight practices. That's not much more than you typically get uh, than game week. Um, and he said, in his own words, I wouldn't be surprised if we fall down early, you know, seven, maybe even 14 points. Yeah. Because when he was at Ole Miss, the same thing happened when they played Georgia Tech in a 2013 bowl. The bowl is escaping me right now. But he brought that up and said, we fell behind early, but our guys made adjustments and they ended up winning that game. So that's what I thought. I thought that Georgia Southern – if Hugh's going to say that in the press conference, that I thought that was significant. A coach saying right out front, hey, we may be down early. And it sort of made sense when you look at the way Georgia's offense, Georgia Southern's offense is so explosive with some of these big plays. I could see them going up early, and then the key to the game being, does Liberty have the talent to adjust and the coaches on the sideline to sort of regroup? So that was me coming into game time. And from the jump, from the first drive, you could just tell that that was not going to be the case. Liberty's linebackers and Liberty's defensive line were stuffing those dive plays, those four-yard dive plays that Georgia Southern needs. They were closing out on the outside when they would try and run the option towards the outside with Shy and, and a mixture of Kennedy or, or J.D. King um, or, even, or even Speedy LaRoche. 
uh, both offenses struggled early, but I, I was surprised that Georgia Southern didn't get any big explosive plays until Wesley Kennedy's end around that I think went for 40 yards or something. If you take that Wesley Kennedy rush away, Georgia Southern didn't have a running play over 13 yards, and that was a Shywert scramble when they were already down a couple touchdowns, I think. Uh, so the big play capability, the big play explosiveness that Hugh Freeze was worried about didn't come out. And that's a testament, I think, to what Freeze did in the eight days that he had to prepare for this offense. People forget he was paid the big bucks at Ole Miss because he knows how to coach. This is a very good coach. Yeah. He clearly had things happen in his life where he finds himself at Liberty now. But regardless, a very good coach. And so when you give him a little bit of extra time to prepare, Looking back on it, in hindsight, I should have thought, yeah, maybe this is Hugh using it as some motivation for his own team to, to come out and say, hey, I wouldn't be, down, wouldn't be surprised if we're down early because team can go in thinking that. They find themselves up after the first quarter. They find themselves up at halftime and think, dang, we got a chance at this thing. And in a team, a team that's trying to find its first bowl victory in program history, that's the motivation. That's the fuel that you need to just close the game out. So whether it was a little strategy from Hugh Freeze to say that to pump his team up or whether he literally was worried about falling behind early, that's not how it played out. I think the, the Liberty Flames defense, for all we talk about their offense, I think their defense was the MVP uh, in the bowl game for making Georgia Southern's offense look a little slow and constipated at times when they really couldn't get things going in, in, until some brief moments uh, when, when Wesley Kennedy scored that touchdown. Um, and then when they sort of got things started uh, in the second half. Now, on the, on the offensive end for Liberty, I actually don't think that they played spectacular. Yeah. I, I really don't. Uh, coming into it, you knew everything about uh, Antonio Gandy-Golden, who is just in this gauntlet of fantastic wide receivers that Georgia Southern has played throughout the year. He didn't have you know, a, a fantastic game. I know he had the touchdown catch and it was a great catch, but he didn't gash Georgia Southern. He had five catches, 60 yards. I mean, if, if you told me that just that I'd say, well, Georgia Southern's defense did great. The problem is they let the big play happen with the touchdown in the first quarter to Johnny Huntley on that huge uh, 57 yard touchdown. Uh, but overall, I think the defense adjusted and, and really got better as the game went on. The problem was, uh, it was too little too late. Uh, as Rashad Bird said in, in, in the postgame press conference was they had to take care of business early. They didn't. They let Frankie Hickson go for 120 yards. So I think the, the offense for Liberty didn't blow me away. I just think Georgia Southern missed some opportunities off of turnovers coming out with field goals instead of touchdowns. Um, and, you know, at the, at the end of the day, in, in bowl games, uh, if you told me Liberty was going to score 23 points, I'd be I'd be good with that because I, I think Georgia Southern was capable of scoring 30, 35 points against that defense. Clearly what Hugh Freeze and company did to adjust to what De, what the best brought to the table worked. So all credit to all credit to Liberty for coming in with a good game plan. I just think they out game plan Georgia Southern in this game. Yeah, and that that's kind of something that I think is going to be a theme this whole offseason, Connor, the, this uh, idea of, uh, you know, game planning from game to game. It doesn't seem like, and I know Georgia Southern is going to do what it does, and it's going to want to run the ball and and you know complete those five tasks and the plan to win. Um, but you know, it there was very little creativity um, out of the offense, and I, you know, I don't. I'm always going to err on the side of you know putting the responsibility on the players rather than the coaches. But there is plenty of chatter. Uh, there's plenty of people. 
incredible people that, b- that believe Georgia Southern, uh, you know, was out coached in this game, wasn't ready to play. Kind of using terms like that for you, it, it, do you? I mean, did you see it that way? Did you see Georgia Southern not ready to play, or were they I just simply outplayed? I think they were. I think Georgia Southern just had one of its uh, worse, not worse. I'm trying to find the right words. It it was far from their best offensive game they've played all year. The defense right. in, in in the first half didn't look great. So I think it was more Liberty came with a fantastic game plan to stop Georgia Southern on offense. Um, I don't think Georgia Southern wasn't ready. They, the energy in the stadium, the look that I saw in those guys' eyes, I know that sounds a little cliche, but just before the game, these guys were more than more than ready for this game. I just think a couple things didn't fall their way early on. They, there were three interception possibilities in the first half that just a, bounce off, a deflected pass, bounce off a helmet, just a couple inches away from the outstretched hands. Kendrick Duncan almost comes up with an interception close to the end of the half, which if he had gotten that, that's three points off the board uh, for Liberty. So little things like that happened throughout the game. That combined with, I think, Liberty just brought the great game plan on defense, and the offense did what it needed to do uh, to build a lead for Liberty. And and Buckshot Calvert didn't make any crucial mistakes until later in the game that sort of let Georgia Southern get back into it, but he didn't make any crucial mistakes early on that would have given Georgia Southern that momentum. You know that like, like with this defense, if they come up with a huge interception, a huge fumble recovery early on, that's massive for that team because that defense is built off swagger, built off big physical play. But he avoided that early on, and I think that was it. I don't think Georgia Southern wasn't ready for this game, and I think Coach Lunsford echoed those statements after the game. Uh, I think he, those were his, his exact words. Uh, he, he's never doubting their ability to want this game and to be ready. Uh, I, I think they just got outplayed. It was it was far from Georgia Southern's best performance that we've seen all year. Uh, a little disappointing at times. Um, the offense just never really got going. The thing that stood out to me, too, was Shy Works. Uh, 22 carries, 57 yards. That's a, a little over two and a half yards per carry. That's down from four, four and a half that he was doing throughout the season, uh, you count on those long shy words runs, those 20-yard runs, those 30-yard runs to help get this offense going if J.D.'s having a tough time or if Wesley's not getting that speed around the outside and, and evading some people. He never really got going in this game. And, of course, throwing the first interception since 2017 certainly was foreshadowing of it just being a tough offensive day for Georgia Southern. So just to go back to your original question, I don't think Georgia Southern wasn't ready uh, by any means. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I agree on that. I I think I, I picked Liberty bef- before this. I I thought, you know, as the game got closer, that that Georgia Southern, uh, from everything I heard and you know and saw from the team and from the coaching staff, I, I thought uh, it was clear that the recruiting kind of played a role in throwing off the whole week. But obviously, that's yeah. equal for both sides. So, you know, I don't know that there's an advantage or disadvantage there, but that, you know, I did, I do think that played a part. Um, Connor, do you think that uh, Bob DeBest shoulders some blame uh, for the offense's performance? I'll go ahead and tell you, you know, I, I don't. When Liberty enters the game uh, as the number 100 ranked uh, rush defense, and Georgia Southern enters as the number eight rushing offense. Uh, what do you ex- like? I don't, I don't understand what people expect Bob DeBess to do uh, 
Liberty wasn't even stacking the box uh, with, you know, nine, 10 guys. They were stopping Georgia Southern easily with six, seven guys in the box. Um, and if you're Bob the best, you kind of just throw your hands up. Uh, you know, you're allowed words to attempt 19 passes. Uh, I, I don't know what Bob the best could have done. Um, and, you know, to, to, I guess, appease the fans. Um, but obviously there's a lot of unhappy people with the offense. Do, do you think, are you in that camp at all that the best shoulders some blame for this? All right, Georgia Southern fans, we have a new offer for you guys at savannahnow.com. We want you guys to check it out. It's a newsletter focused on Georgia Southern athletics and Georgia Southern athletics only. This is a free opportunity for you guys to get caught up on all the latest news on the Eagles, whether it be on the football field, basketball court, baseball field, or what have you. But go join the mailing list for the newsletter, and this is how you do it. Go to savannahnow.com and look on the right side of the homepage, click Get Our Newsletters, and go from there. The newsletter will have a blog post once a week, as well as other relevant Georgia Southern stories opportunities to subscribe to the podcast and other insider notes that you can't find anywhere else subscribe today um he could shoulder a little bit i suppose but i'm i sort of side with you on this as well um on the field level it, it was a little harder to see you know, how many people they're stacking and, and, and what guys are making those necessary plays. But it, it felt like they weren't getting a huge push from the offensive line on some of these runs. And you got to think, there's been a rotating cast of characters on that offensive line from the beginning of the year. It, and they had, they had played relatively well throughout the year. I think that was one of the shining spots at times was the fact that these these offensive linemen who – you know, are, are are going all over the place. One guy's getting injured, a new guy comes in, fresh faces, next man up mentality that we always hear about. The fact that Georgia Southern was able to to sort of uh, weather that storm and still do decently well on the ground is is enough of an accomplishment. So it, they were due for a game where maybe things kind of fell apart, either on the offensive line and or just guys not beating their one-on-one matchup. So he could shoulder some load. Uh, I think calling for his calling for his job's a little harsh at this point. Um, some of the play calling was, was a little interesting. I think some of the, I think they ran these two uh, reverse plays that the first time it happened, uh, I think it was maybe a four yard game. The second time they snuffed it out right away. Don't love the, didn't love the reverse play calls there, but that's just picking little details. It's easy after yeah. a game when you rush for, you know, you, you almost get out rushed by Liberty and we're getting out rushed by Liberty for most of the game that you make that, quick snap decision and say, okay, offensive coordinator's got to go, but this is one game. You know, it, it, it's just one game. Things didn't go their way. The offensive line maybe didn't have it, its best game of all time. Um, but I, I think sometimes it's just, it, sometimes you have games like this. I, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's fair to call for his job just yet. I think you got to give him a little bit more time. Yeah, I think, and you know, I, I wrote my column uh, on this this week uh, it'll be a Monday, Savannah Morning News. Uh, to to even consider firing Bob DeBess, uh because of, uh, you know, I, it's fair to say Bob DeBess did not have a great game calling the game. I think we can all agree on that front. Um, but 
in a game that long term, uh, big picture, truly, it's not as important as Arkansas right. State. It's not as important as Troy. It wasn't as important as App State, right. Louisiana. I mean, essentially every conference game, uh, maybe outside of like South Alabama, this game didn't matter that much. And we said that going in. So to then turn around after, for me, is, is you know, not a great look t- to be doing that and to be clamoring for this guy's job. Uh, Georgia Southern last year, uh, and, you know, a-, a lot of these same people that are calling for DeBess's job were praising Bob DeBess last year. Uh, Georgia mm-hmm. Southern averaged 31.8 points a game last year. Uh, if you remove the LSU game this year, Georgia Southern averaged 30.6 points per game. They averaged 28.1 with the LSU game. Uh, so what you're talking about is essentially 40 yards a game that they're down from last year uh, and less than three points. So as bad as it felt on Saturday, you know, I don't think there's a problem. And then also, if you bring in a new offensive coordinator, um, are, are you trying to run a different style offense? I certainly, I, I don't think so. So I don't know what <laughs> you want to make. <laughs> You want to make it even more controversial in Statesboro as you bring in a new offensive coordinator and talk about switching up that scheme to something else. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I don't know, like you know, if you want a different a guy with a different name calling the dive, that's fine. But um, that's right. what's going to happen. And for me, if JD King rushes ten times and, and gains twenty eight yards, you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to blame the offensive coordinator for JD King rushing for twenty eight yards on ten carries. You know, right, and we can, that's we the can kind of throw, thing that frustrates me. Right, and, and we can throw blame around too, but we also have to give credit to Liberty too. They came in with a yeah. superhuman performance from the linebackers and the defensive line where it wasn't like Shy and company were slipping on the grass and just they were get you know, they could have had more yards, just you know, just just didn't make the right decision. There were some fantastic open field tackles and some great sort of a gang tackling from, from the Flames defense who didn't get talked about for much of the time leading up to this game. Like, like I said before, they were the MVP in this game. And so sometimes you just have to tip your hat to the other team. They came in with a great game plan. You played against a really good coach who had some extra time to prepare for you. And sometimes you have to be satisfied with that. Not just every After every loss, you don't have to be looking for what needs to be changed big scale. Maybe it's just not your day. And so I think Eagle Nation hopefully is coming around to that, as I'm sure they will in in the coming days. But certainly with the fresh wounds right after the game, uh, Twitter was an interesting place to be. Yeah, Twitter usually is an interesting place to be, uh, especially yeah. surrounding or surrounding Georgia Southern. Um, all right, Connor, let's do let's do one more, and then I'll let you get out of here. Um, I think um, you know, moving into 2020, I don't see the Liberty versus Georgia Southern Cure Bowl uh, impacting much. Um, But I guess I would just ask you, uh, if you're thinking about Boise State week one next season, what has to be different for 2020 Georgia Southern? Um, You know, that wasn't present this year. Obviously, there's a lot of off the field stuff that you can't ever really predict or control. But, you know, on the field, uh, you know, I'll say what I said last year, moving into this year, uh, I, I, I'm sick and tired of Georgia Southern breaking the huddle with 10 seconds on the play clock. Um, one time where it's audible 
on Saturday. It was the very first drive, the very first third down. Um, and it looked like he audible direction. So he, he changed direction. JD King was stuffed in what ended up being um, foreshadowing of what was to come. Uh, but for you, Connor, you know, maybe what's one, one or two things that, that you'll want to see different for 2020 Georgia Southern that maybe hmm. wasn't there this year? Yeah, good question. That, that's um, a big J question there. Yeah, that's a big J question right there. Um, I'm with you there on on breaking the huddle with 10 seconds left. Um, I know especially – I know the Cure Bowl doesn't mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things, but it, it, it got a little nerve-wracking at times when they were down and, and, and just taking tons of time off the clock. If that's what you mean by breaking the huddle with 10 seconds left, just – just uh yeah just like a little pace it doesn't have to be up tempo you don't even have to snap it until one second on the clock if you don't want to but get to the line and maybe uh you know at least fake like you're gonna adjust yeah exactly um and and with that offense and all the motion in it it can certainly the more time you have at the line making those adjustments the more antsy that defense can get for sure so yeah that that's one um and 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 things I, i actually really enjoyed watching the pass game develop a little. I know it's not the most popular thing in Georgia Southern in terms of the play calling, but I, I really enjoyed what Shy Wirtz did through the air a good bit this year. Yeah. Um, I know Mark Michaud leaving as a senior, uh, that, that hurts. Um, you saw a little bit of Malik Murray and Caleb Hood throughout the year that gives you some hope in terms of the passing game moving forward. Um, so, so there are things I, I, I'd like to see a little more of. I, I like Shy, I like what Shy Wirtz did in the pass game. Um, I, I'd like to see a strong, um, you know, obviously healthy offensive line. That's not something I like to see. That's not something that you can like improve, but having a whole yeah. healthy offensive line with Brian Miller back will certainly help. Um, I think what's really interesting to see moving forward, I know this isn't exactly the answer to your question, but I think a big thing that we have to look at moving forward is what happens with the secondary. You know, yeah. you're losing Monquavian, you're losing uh, Kindle. And you're losing a, a, a bunch of other guys who, who made the secondary sort of fear coming into Sunbelt play. Uh, you saw a little flash of the future in the Cure Bowl with Javon Singletary coming up with that interception. He figures to play a big part in that, off, in that defense next year. Uh, Justin Birdsong likely going to step up as well. I know when he was a freshman, he had a pretty good uh, blue-white game. Uh, I remember interviewing him after that as well. But, uh, you know, the, the secondary, they – clearly when you have Monquavian and Kindle leaving, those are huge holes that maybe you can't even replace with just two guys. It, it may be a rotating cast of characters and you may not fully replace their production and, and the ability to have a quarterback just refuse to throw at someone like people refuse to throw at Kindle for most of the year. But I'm really interested, interested to see these young corners and this young secondary, how they um, sort of move on from life after Monquavian, Donald Rutledge, and Kindle. So those are the big things I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing. Um, I'm also interested to see how the running backs uh, develop moving forward, because you, you look at, and no one's, no one's leaving, right? You know, yeah, all the running backs true. are coming back and you have to think, remember Logan, Wright? Remember he's on this team and, and he, he's been out with injury. And so he comes back and you have, four guys in Matt LaRoche, J.D. King, Wesley Kennedy, Logan Wright, who have all played some, some significant snaps for Georgia Southern. You got Shy Wirtz coming back. So how can this 
running game take that second step and be a three four-headed monster where each guy brings a little bit different stuff to the table i know wesley kennedy just just seeing him play for georgia southern the intensity he brings the fact that he's going into his senior year i expect them to feed him the ball just get the ball in his hands in any way possible and if they don't do that then you're going to start to have some problems with that offense i think because he was the spark in this cure bowl and he he was the spark when georgia southern needed him most from needed him uh, in, in the most crucial spots of the year. Uh, one more year for JD King under this offense and getting used to the, getting used to the scheme should, should do well for him as what well, do well for him. Um, but yeah, those, those are the big things I'm looking forward to. Sorry for rambling there. There's just a lot to, lot to kind of look forward to. I, I know a lot of people are worried about all the people, all the players, the players that are leaving, but I think we have to take into account that you're getting these crucial pieces like Logan Wright and Brian Miller back. Um, that, that should help some very important parts uh, of the offense. So I, I'm excited to see how the secondary uh, develops and, and to see if this running back core can become elite and, and best in the Sun Belt like you should become a, you know, used to or, or expecting at Georgia Southern. Yeah, and I think you touched on those injuries. I, I forget about other kind of lesser-known guys, uh, too, like um... – you got Aaron Dowdell on the offensive line who also will mm-hmm. be back. Justin, people forget about Justin Ellis, the Syracuse transfer who was hurt, you know, on the second drive of the LSU game, the defensive end, uh, tight end DJ Butler, uh, who was the leading receiver in the blue white game. Um, he was out all year. So, so there's a lot of other kind of, uh, maybe secondary pieces coming back for Georgia Southern. And then the schedule, obviously with this year being such a gauntlet with those, you know, conference road games and then at Minnesota LSU uh, next year's slate will not be nearly as tough. Um, Connor, you want to let everyone know um, how to follow you and how to uh, track y'all stuff? Yeah. So I'm on Twitter uh, at WSAV Connor D where I'm tweeting out mostly, you know, Georgia Southern recap stuff, all that good stuff. I got the boss man, Greg Talbot, the sports director. He's at Greg Talbot. Don't know how he got the, the uh, perk of not having to have WSAD in his name. You can just have his name, but that's a conversation for another day. That's um, boss and then you can find us on, uh, <laughs> find us on a uh, WSAV sports, WSAV.com slash sports. That's where now that we're kind of transitioning from football season, Georgia Southern basketball, of course, is, is heating up. They got that game against Georgia. Uh, that'll be very interesting. Um, but yeah, that's where you can find us uh, for any content you need. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate you having me on, man. Love talking Georgia Southern football, even if it's after a loss. Yeah, no doubt, man. And uh, now we get uh, a little bit of time. And then uh, my favorite topic, recruiting on signing day in February. So that'll be a, yeah. a blast for sure. Yes. High school recruiting locally has been so interesting too, man. It's been wild. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk transfers. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Okay, Connor. Uh, yeah, hey, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, no, no problem, dude. Thanks for having me. Oh, he will. Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields touchdown. Georgia Southern. Ass swings on the way. 